Hello and welcome to the Top Shelf Hockey Cast, where we talk hockey, mostly Islanders hockey. I am David Tuckman. I am at Tuck on Sports. Phil Farber at Phil's Facts, and of course, BD Gallif at BD Gallif on Twitter are here alongside me, and this is a post-trade deadline podcast, and we are going to discuss that. We're going to discuss Wallstrom finally playing with Barzal. Uh, we'll have some rapid reaction to the quotes afterward, Lou Lamorello's presser, of course, and we'll talk about the Islanders' recent better stretch and what that bodes for next year. First off, boys, uh, Phil, how are we feeling after the trade deadline? Slightly underwhelmed. A little bit underwhelmed, I guess you could say. That's a fair. lot underwhelmed. Yeah. We got some news. It wasn't necessarily news that we were hoping to hear on, on all fronts, but blah, boring day. Okay. Uh, BD? I'm so glad we didn't record last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm for the, so glad. For the, for the record, we were going to record a podcast last night, and about 10 minutes before, I, I will tell I, I don't like to point out my uh, my brilliance, but last night I was just thinking to myself going, why the fuck are we recording a podcast and releasing it hours before the trade deadline? This doesn't make any sense. I think we, we would all have been had wrong a on a lot. I think. I think we would have just gotten not everything wrong, but mostly wrong. The Prezi extension we all saw coming once they had that Q and A with Zach a week ago, where he was and just saying he doesn't want to go anywhere. He loves it here. The room is great. It's a special team. That was a pretty clear indication that Zach was going to stay, uh, considering that Lou hadn't even spoken to him about the possibility of moving. We would have been wrong about a number of things, I think. Anyway, BD, what was your take on the trade deadline? Well, it was extremely underwhelming. And, you know, um, for a team that really lacks assets from, you know, in a seller's market, you know, there's still a feeling that it's a missed opportunity to move someone like Clutterbuck you know, who I really do appreciate his time here. And I think he's uh, very underrated in the t- trade with uh, Nito Niederreiter because he brought a facet to this team that, you know, was a very powerful facet and part of the identity line. Um, but he's, th- you know, he's 35 years old. And even if he wanted to resign with the team, he could have gone to a contending team. They have 0.6 chance percent chance to make the playoffs they're not making the playoffs right they're not making the playoffs that's you're not making the playoffs so get an asset because this is a team that you can use that asset and if not in a trade you have a prospect pool that's not that's dwindling down and you can really shore it up so i'm I'm a little surprised by that yeah i i I, I have no problem with uh the re-signing he's he's played well I think he's excellent in the bo- when he's used in the bottom six. There, there's nothing wrong with that and the, and the other things that he provides. And, and the price is right for sure. We'll, we'll get to the Freezy and the Clutterbuck uh, re-signing in a moment. You know, for me, obviously the trade deadline was underwhelming. You know, you'd like to see why can't there be a wink-wink handshake, hey, go play with, a, you know, go, go play with Colorado. We'll get a third-round pick out of it. And... You know, when when you're done with that, you can re-sign with us. I don't know if that's legal or not. I, I don't know the ramifications of that. But can, it's been can, done before. But can Lou yeah. say that? I mean, can Lou and can Lou and Cal actually agree to that before? It happens? I think he can just say it telepathically because he has those type of powers. There you Listen, go. Even, <laughs> if, even if you can't say it, I mean, 
it's it's probably a more difficult thing to work out with Parisi. Parisi's been living out of a rental near Brock Nelson, I think, as per Staples article. So with Parisi, he just packed up from Minnesota. He's living in a rental now. Once he gets on the road, you don't know when he's coming back. Clutterbuck's lived in Garden City for the past almost decade now. It's not like he was all of a sudden going to uproot his family to no, this Colorado should be, or Pittsburgh. This should be an eight-week, like, hey, listen, family, I'm going to go for eight weeks. I'll see you later. Right. I'll be back in two months. Exactly. You pick up a pick. You pick up a third. I mean, look at third-round picks. Forget about drafting the player. Vancouver got Travis Dermott, who's a decent bottom-pairing lefty, 24 years old, cost-controlled, restricted free agent in two years or a year and a half. There are players that you could get under team control who are projects at the very least that they could have leveraged had they done this. And they just went the, the route of not upsetting the apple cart. It's part of the, the team culture. And that's part of what Lou has built up here. And they just took the path of least resistance in that regard. BD, something you mentioned uh, long ago in a, in a previous podcast, and, and it kind of, I, I, I think it came through it to fruition in this particular day was there is value in loyalty in the sense that, you know, if a Chara or a Green or Parisi, when they signed those, you know, the smaller deals, these are veterans. And Lou kind of gave him a handshake and said, okay, if you don't want to move, we're not going to move you. Um, I, my, for me, the biggest disappointment was Bailey. Uh, while Bailey has been much better as of late, and with his playoff performance the last couple of years, I would have loved to see a contending team take a shot on Josh for like uh, you know a fifth round, fourth round pick, and we can get rid of that salary. Uh, I know Phil is shaking his head. There's no way that was going to happen. I, I I don't know. I mean, everywhere I'm hearing Phil, I know you listen. You and I, I, I know what we think about Josh, but it just seems like the prevailing thought among other players is that he's underrated and that. His playoff the performance the last couple sets. of years, it does. The absolute the contract is, does, does offset. And the fact that there's no rule right now, if the Islanders retained half the salary, they have to retain the half the salary throughout the contract, which doesn't really help them. So, Yeah, I think that's the bottom line. I, look, Josh Bailey has had a horrific season. We can chalk it up to m- m- many things, but I think age does have some play here. And... He has a lot of tread, a lot of miles. He came in very young to this uh, to the league, and he's been playing a number of years, and has looked at times terrible. Yeah, but I'll put uh, BD, uh, I will say this he's though. played better. Yeah, he's played better as late. I will put it this way: if if he was a uh, if he was on an expiring contract, I do think he could have been moved. Easily, oh, I think so. Easily, yeah, I definitely. Because the Islanders could have retained half he the has salary a good and, reputation, then, and, then, and he has a good yeah. work ethic. Right. Anyone. He, Listen, anyone on an expiring deal could be moved. That's not the hard part. No, no, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i saying moved as, as a positive asset. I think they had moved and actually got a pick for him. Right, but I mean, cap space has a value to it. Huge. You look at what Vegas is, well, what they attempted to do, and it's not clear what's going to happen now, but Vegas basically traded Evgeny Dadanov, who's a solid player. I mean, he's having a decent year, 14 goals and 15 He's just making too much money. He's got one more year left at $5 million. Yeah. So Bailey's got two left at $5 million. Dadanov's got one left at $5 million. They tried trading Dadanov with a second rounder for Ryan Kessler's contract and John Moore, who's buried in the minors. So they were using a second round pick to asset dump 
Dadanov, who's arguably a better player than Josh Bailey and but, only has one year left. But they needed to because they have Eichel and Riley Smith, and they have they have they sure. can't they literally can't if they want to bring back Stone before the playoffs. They right. if they want to bring their full team back, they have to get rid of four or five million dollars in cap. Right. So so the Ducks have them up against the ropes. There's no question about right. that. So slightly different situation. What just happened with the league apparently? Um, Dadanov's no trade list, which wasn't filed with the league in July when he got traded from Ottawa to Vegas, has Anaheim on it. And apparently... Who has Anaheim? By the way, before you even continue... I know this is slightly offensive to Dave being a... a, I know. I'm sorry. That just blows (laughs) my mind. You think about, about, oh, I'm a New York guy. He hated the Disney movie. Yeah, listen, you're, I'm a New York guy, but I just can't imagine a scenario where you're coming up with your no trade list and you're thinking, okay, I don't want to go to fucking Winnipeg. You know what? I, I don't want to go to Col- I don't want to go to Columbus. Maybe I don't want to go to ducks. Edmonton's cold and yeah, Southern California. Yeah, no, I don't want to go to Buffalo. I mean, like, who doesn't want to go to Southern California? So the league did not have his no trade list. It was not filed with the league in July. And apparently the Dadanoff camp is saying, well, here's our no trade list. It has Anaheim on it. We're not going. So now there's this awkward situation where Vegas thought they got rid of him today. Vegas's public uh, PR Twitter account put out a statement and said that we are aware of the issue with the trade. We're now working on it. He doesn't want to go to the Ducks. So it's just an awkward situation. The workaround I thought of is, well, what Vegas could simply do is trade the second round pick for Kessler and more tomorrow. Moore would not be eligible to play in the playoffs and then wave Dadanov with a wink, wink to Anaheim, scoop, scoop him up off waivers. Cause there's nothing wrong with doing that. No trade does not prevent you from going on waivers. Only a no move does. Right. 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 It would almost be like the, the waiver baseball. Uh, exactly. It would be like a waiver baseball. Deal. Right. Right. I mean, put it this way. Is this a deal that if this ends up falling through with Anaheim, do you do this deal? If you're the Islanders tomorrow, I'd say no, probably just because of the extra year at five million. But it is interesting picking up a second round pick with with the player. The interesting, play. yeah. The interesting thing about Vegas, and this is kind of what I was getting at with the Islanders, and it's something you alluded to long ago, BD, and you said that Lewis created an, uh, a culture and an environment here where it is he respects the veterans, and if you are, you know, a 33, 34 year old player who has a year left or a couple of years left in your career, and you still have something to offer. And you're thinking, you know, where do I want to play? As long as the Islanders are competitive, you're considering the Islanders simply because of the respect and the culture. And I got to tell you, I I wonder, I'm not an insider. I don't have sources. I'm not going to pretend to have sources like a lot of bloggers do. But I'm just, I wonder, I mean, if you're you're a 32-year-old, do you want to go to Vegas right now? I mean, the way they have treated their veterans in their short history is just, and their coach, by the way, is just absolutely appalling. And I just wonder, you know, when you compare that to the Islanders and I go, listen, you know, was getting a fifth round pick or a sixth round conditional pick for Chara worth pissing him off? Probably not. I mean, like worth, worth, it's just not worth it. I mean, for me, the scary thing, and I'm worried about this, Phil, and I'm wondering what you think, BD, is with Chara and Green on the line. I know with Chara and Green there, though, does that mean that we're not going to see Salo? Because I really wanted these last 20 games. One of the reasons I wanted Chara gone was not for the sixth-round pick that we get. I don't care about that. It was more I wanted to see Salo and Mayfield play together for the last 15, 20 games. Well, it's not just that. It, if you were watching the team when Chara was out, oh. the de- defense was better. There's not even a fucking question. Yeah, we know that. It was better. 
And when he came back, they were a little bit weaker. And and you can, you know, the fans of Lou can do no wrong, can shine it up all real nice. But the, the fact is, Barry and Lou have this Chara addiction and they need to play him and he needs to stay. And my fear is that he's going to be there even possibly next year. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make forget the analytics. It doesn't make sense. And he's in the way. And, and it's a problem. So it, it really that's what frustrates me. Let's continue on. Let's continue on. Trade deadline, Phil and then BD. Uh, give me – we obviously we focus on the Islanders here, but let's focus for a quickly thing. Uh, some winners and losers, in my opinion, and I know that Islander fans are going to hate to hear this. I think Toronto Maple Leafs did really well by not giving up a one and getting Giordano. Um, I didn't really understand getting rid of Dermott, but I understand, you know, okay, he wanted out, so it makes sense. But they got Giordano. Um, they didn't address the goaltending issue, but I think the Leafs did pretty well. By and and kept and kept their one. I thought Minnesota did a good job. I mean, I think Minnesota realized that the cap crunch they're under, and, and I love Delorier the fact that they scored tonight for them. Huh? Delorie scored tonight. There you go. And it, was assi- and it was assisted by Tyson Jost. So oh, there you go. Well, I mean, that, even better. But I mean, I love the fact <laughs> they picked up Flurry. Um, you know, in the West, which is really wide open. I mean, you got a a Colorado team that is kind of relying on. Darcy Kemper staying healthy, and he can't seem to stay healthy. You got Vegas, which is just broken right now, and who knows what's going to happen there. Um, you know, Calgary is obviously a, a very, very good team, but you know they were great one year, then they weren't great. I mean, I just think the West is somewhat wide open, and if Flurry gets hot with that Minnesota team, who knows? I think I think Minnesota to me those are two of the winners. You guys, I agree with the Minnesota. I think that they they didn't have to spend a whole lot and really, you know, can can ride a hot hand. Um, let's let's see what happens. But it, it, you, I think you're right. It, the West is very wide open. Um, I think the Rangers did well for themselves for depth. They didn't spend a whole lot, but they what added the, a whole lot of I didn't see the trade. What, what was the trade for Cop? It was a I, conditional first with the, with the condition being if they make the ECF, it's a first. If they don't make the ECF, it's a second, another second, and Morgan Barron. So they basically gave up two twos. Two twos and a prospect. Two twos and a prospect for Cop. They for gave Cop. him a four for Mott. They gave him a yeah. four for Mott. They gave him a four for Vetrano, and they gave him a three for Justin Braun. So they added four pieces. And then they traded depth move. They got Nick Merkley for Anthony Potato. Okay, right. I saw play. that. Yeah, Potato is the Long Island kid. So they gave up, but they gave up. Basically, two twos, a three, and a four for two some fours, yeah. for bottom six pieces. For bottom six pieces. Cop's a good player. No, Cop's a really good player. I uh, think, and I was talking to a Ranger fan, a friend of mine, I think part of what they brought Cop in for is as potential leverage against Ryan Strom. Now, Andrew Cop should not be your second-line center. He's been playing third-line center for Winnipeg, and he's a pretty good third-line center. Yeah. But what he was speculating is that this is kind of leverage against Jerome basically saying, all right, if, if you're going to leave, if you're not going to play ball with us, and Drury spoke today about how they haven't been having ongoing discussions with Strome at this time, but if he's going to threaten to leave, well, all right, that's fine. We brought an Andrew cop. He's our backup plan. Yeah. Maybe. It's not a terrible backup plan. It's not ideal, but yeah, the problem, Probably not ideal, but 
Yeah, the problem with that is I mean, you see, deal for six by six. You see what? Yeah, but you see what happens in Vegas though when you don't have center depth. If you don't have center depth, it, it, yeah. things go things go bad really really quick. And um, you know, listen, I, I don't give a shit what the Rangers do. I think I hope they burn in hell. But I, uh, <laughs> I mean, let's say I mean let's be honest. But no, in, in fairness though, I'm not a huge Strom guy. Is he worth six six times six? No, he's not. But I'm very happy if they don't have if if Cop is their second line center. I'm really happy. See, Strom is that complementary style player um, that can work well in a certain setup. So Strom will likely probably price himself out and try to think that he's more than that and try to cash in. And, you know, what, or whatever, because it, whatever hurts the Rangers, I, have don't, I don't mind. Um, but, you know, that's a replaceable piece. I don't know if cop is really that type of replacement, but it does give them a lot of different options, especially when injuries have play in the playoffs, right? Even for this year. So I think that the, and I, I think, I think the cop price is a little stiff because for a while we didn't know what the trade was for until just now, until Phil Della told us. And it seems a stiff price for a guy who's only going to be your, you know, second line backup possibly for next year that well, he'll, that's he'll, he'll play in the playoffs he'll be there he'll probably move Heedle to the wing he'll be their third line center it's it's not a cheap price but it's not if bad listen, to, if, if you fine, tell me but they, this I is mean, a team that, that usually overpays right but compare that to Pajot I mean listen Pajot was the Islanders third line center and you know would he be worth like two twos absolutely you know if that's if if you get a legit sec, third line center for two twos oh that's a valid point yeah it's yeah. not a bad thing. Uh, another team that I thought did well, but I still think that the management is kind of lost because it's like, are you trying to win? Are you not trying to win? What are you trying to do? Chicago got a lot. I mean, I mean, they got they got a house and plus some for uh, for Hagel, right? Right. And then they got a two, but they got a conditional two that could be a one if Minnesota makes the Western Conference Finals, which is actually a legitimate possibility. Well, who who are they slated to play if the playoffs started today? I don't Let me even take know. a look at that. Take a look at that while we uh, while we continue on. I um, what do, do we do, think do. about Florida? Florida got yeah. It looks like it would be at Minnesota. Florida, Florida got the best player. Let's see. Florida badly outpaid. I I mean, listen, Florida. Well, they give up two ones and Tippett and two twos for Ben Sherratt and Giroux and Giroux. Well, and Giroux. The thing with Giroux, Giroux's price was deflated just because he only wanted to go to Florida, and this is. Something that Islander fans did not understand about but Taylor. You Hall say last deflated. Year. They got a sure. one, two. What did they get? A one, a two, a one and oh, a one, tippet. A one and tippet. That's a, a pretty good price it. for uh, to rent a guy for six weeks. I mean, it's Giroux. It's Giroux, baby. He is still a top flight one C on most NHL teams. By the way, no question. By the way, watching that trade, just it. I, I just started to forget about the fact that we gave away Tavares for nothing. And you just think about it and you go, wow, if we traded, if, if we just said to John, you got to sign a contract or we're going to, we have to trade you. We can't let you go for nothing. We have to do this. This is business. Sorry. You think about it. That means the Islanders undoubtedly would have gotten at minimum a one and a prospect and probably more. more. And Tavares probably more because Tavares is 27 years old. I would have got a haul. No. Yeah, Tavares is 27. He had no trade protection. Oh, yeah, good point. The price for Giroux was this low just because he only wanted to go to Florida. It's the same reason why people didn't realize why Taylor Hall's price was so low last year. 
he picked his destination. He picked Boston. So they yep. gave him Anders Bjork in a second round pick oh. and finished because you don't have any leverage. They have to get rid of this player. Obviously, they weren't going to give him away for a fifth round pick because this is just not how you do business in the NHL. But I mean, look at what Hampus Lindholm. Oh, a good. He's a good second pairing defenseman. He's not elite. He's not a star. He's a good defenseman. A one, two twos, Uru Vakanainen. And then, and then signed him to an eight times 6.5. Eight times 6.5. Signed him for more yeah. than Adam. Pett. Listen, I will actually say the trade was ridiculous. The contract is absurd. And yet, I will go out there and say that Boston won. And the reason I say this is because their window is so short. I mean, their window with Marchand at 33 years old, Bergeron at 37 years old, is this year and next year. So the fact that, yeah, Hampus Lindholm's contract is probably going to be terrible in five years, and the fact that they have no prospects in the system and that they're, they're, they just traded a bunch of draft picks, it doesn't really matter because they're going to stink anyway. So I think there was a, I think they kind of looked at each other and just said, listen, we're going to suck in four years anyway. Who cares if we have a bad contract on defense? Might suck next year if Bergeron decides he doesn't want to come back, like David Krejci. <laughs> That's that would, possible, too. That would be a nightmare for them. That would be a nightmare. Now, I think Bergeron's probably going to go the that like Povelski route where you sign year by year at this point. At this age, it's just one-year extensions for like $7, 8000000 million and ride it. How about Stevie Eiserman, BD? Stevie Eiserman trades it to, by the way, for all intents and purposes. Lovely asset management. Yeah, I mean, you trade it to for Nick Letty, and we're all thinking, how, that's amazing. I can't believe we got a two for Nick Letty. And Steve Eiserman basically said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get the two and then I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some players out of it also. Incredible. It was a great move and you know it's a great play on asset management and using the seller market to your advantage. And you know, that that it's that is what irks me about Lou and the, how the Islanders handled it. But Stevie Y handled it great and and really Bef- you know, it, it was masterful. Before we move on, I know you guys were just talking about this before I pressed the record button. What was going on with Varley? How close was he to moving? I mean, was there a chance that he was going to be traded? Because I, I thought while I was pushing for Mayfield to be traded, I knew that was never going to happen. I mean, I was realistic about that. But Varlamov, I mean, he seemed like there was a possibity here, right? The possibility, I mean, $5 million, the goaltending market was so thin. You looked at Toronto, you looked at Vegas with Leonard being hurt, and you said, wow. What can we get for Varley right now? And so, I mean, was there was there a chance that he was being moved? What happened with that? I could give you the Lou quote if you'd like. I mean, we Please. were going to go through yeah, the let's quotes do at some point. But Lou Lamorello, this is from Joe uh, Pantorno. Lou Lamorello said there was plenty of interest in Semyon Varlamov, but he wasn't ready to pull the trigger. Quote, everyone is always looking for goaltenders, and you don't give up a goaltender to make another position better and make a bigger hole. From Lou. And to your point, right, talking about all these teams with goaltending struggles, Toronto going in with Campbell and Morozik, and now Morozik ends up on waivers six months into a three-year, $4 million deal. <laughs> Jack Campbell's injured, and now they have Shalgren. Eric Shalgren is their goalie. And Vegas, they thought they were going to get cute and get rid of Marc-Andre Fleury and go with Leonard. Leonard's injured. Edmonton is a complete mess. You have so many playoff or, or on the cusp of playoff teams that have messy goaltending that 
the decisions that Lou made today in keeping Clutterbuck and keeping Parise are in line with a general manager who is looking to reload and get back into the playoffs next season. And he probably had all these teams burning up his phone and he thought to himself, unless there was going to be a massive offer that I cannot refuse, all these teams are calling me because they have serious goaltending issues because they did not properly plan going into the season. I don't want to put myself into that kind of position next year. If Sorokin were to get hurt and my three-year investment in Holpe goes up in flames, that's, that's probably the thinking there based on that quote. BD? Well, uh, also we were talking uh, as soon as we started because I was listening to the presser again and about three minutes in, he starts to allude to that he was looking. It sounded to me that he really was hunting for a player to help them in the long term. And he really seems to allude to players that they could get that would have signed long term. And the, it just gives me the feeling that he did go big game hunting for key asset, whether it's Chikrin over in Arizona or whoever else that he was looking. And I don't know if it had to do with Varley, but if he was looking to get a key piece in that market that would help him and help the team get to the next level. And it, you know, it just didn't happen, but it, I think that we'll hear more of or see what he chases in the summer of what he might have been trying to chase. But it, it, it really, if you listen to the presser about three minutes in, he starts to talk about that and really made, made me stop. And from the, the way he was speaking, the way he was wording it, it really sounded to me like he was interested in that, but nothing came of it. I will say this to the fans, and I know you two know this already, but I will say this to the fans of the Islanders. We're all a little disappointed and underwhelmed. You know, you go into a trade deadline with some hope, especially in a year like this where, hey, what can we do? Can we? Are, are we going to go find a, a player? Might we get Brock Besser? Might we get Jacob Trickren? You know, are we going to get Lindholm? How are we going to improve our team? Because this was such a disappointing year. And if the only options, and this is the one thing I will put out there, because none of us are privy, none of us are privy to the phone calls that Lou was having. And if the options were bad trades or no trades, would we be happy today? Would we be happy in six months or 18 months if he made trades today just to make trades, just for trade's sake? And let's say they were bad trades. I mean, let's say he trades Varley for a late one and some crappy prospect who never turns out, you know, the well, prospect based on the doesn't price. I don't think you're getting a late one in a prospect. I think, I don't know that you'd get more than what uh, Chicago got for flurry. Okay, fine. So let's say we get a conditional to, I mean, I'm not, I'll be honest. I was on board with trading Varley. If I was getting a good one and a, a good premium. prospect, yeah. I wasn't sure. Tra- I mean, to get a conditional to, two. Hmm. to get me a conditional two. you know what? I, I just give me the, give me the insurance. I'd rather have the insurance against Sorokin getting hurt next year. Um, and plus, the, especially with the the way the Islanders are are built, we know this. They're only going to win. They're only winning games when they get elite goaltending. Yeah. So, I'm, and, and and we'll go through some Lou quotes soon about making cap space and things like that. But again, lo- looking at some of these teams and the goaltending issues they have, 
And then looking at the unrestricted free agent goaltending class this, this summer, of which Anton Forsberg was going to be one of the best available and Ottawa extended him today. Look at how many teams have been burned by making goalie decisions that they thought were smart at the time. Toronto and Mrazic, as we just referenced. Matt Murray. Matt Murray is, what, two years into a five-, six-year deal, and he's already been waived. By the way, the greatest thing about that, Ottawa actually gave Pittsburgh a draft pick for a him. A two. They gave him a, a second-round <laughs> pick, extended him. He's been waved up and down. We've seen situations. I think Reimer, when he went to Florida, that went up in flames, and and he hit. I think he was bought out. I think Scott Darling was bought out after he signed a deal. So I mean, you see so often with goaltenders where it's really a buyer beware kind of market because of the randomness to it. There is value in having a goalie who is on an expiring contract as opposed to worrying about the thirty-three year old who you just signed to a third, you know, a three-year deal at three point five million, whose hips are about to go. Yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, and, and I think it's a good shout. I mean, the fact that the, the goalie um, free agent market is so thin, and that might have been part of the influence as well. It's one of those things where, hey, listen, if we can trade Varley for a late one, but we can go pick up so-and-so to replace him as a backup to Sorokin, then maybe we do it. But that, that market is so low. Hey, let's turn our attention uh, from trade deadline to something that we have all talked about. Many of the fans have talked about. Oliver Wallstrom finally playing on Matt Barzal's wing. And it's amazing. In the five or six games they've played together, Oliver Wallstrom has like 14 goals. It's just ridiculous <laughs> how productive they have been. Uh, I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, if Lou and Trotz would would just listen to the fans a little bit earlier, then, I mean, you just wonder, I mean, would Wallstrom have 50 goals if he played with, with Barzal from the start? I <laughs> don't think he'd have 50 goals. BD. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it's it, an interesting uh, situation. First, the game analytically looked good. Um, I looked at the last four. Um, you had two games in a row where you had two shots on goal then zero shots on goal and five hits, which really sounds like coaching asking him to do something different. And then last game uh, versus the Flyers, I think he had five shots in just over 10 minutes. So no, I think he had 14. Uh, that was the game he played a lot. He had 1359 or something like oh, that. Oh, did he? Then I'm, yeah. I'm off yeah, on the time. The but that was five shots on goal, right? Yeah. Not yeah, a ton so, of quality shots, but, but no. shots nonetheless. He just shoots. But, any angle, any spot, <laughs> I'm shooting fine. the puck. Hey, I'm fine, fine with that. I, I know. I, I mean, he's he's the, the number one shot generator on the team. No one, no one on the he, team at five on five. I think it's him, and then it's Paul Mary, and they're pretty close. Um, but both of them really stylistically are kind of similar in that if they have an opening, they're going to fire away. But the you know it's not exactly uh, carrying off and you know sunshine and lollipops. But this has been a very um, not a good year for Wallstrom. Um, you know, some have brought up that maybe he's not that first line answer and maybe he's only a second line answer. We'll see that that remains to be seen. Um, but his development seems to be an issue with the Islanders. And it really is reminiscent and has reminded me and has me reading a lot of the Nashville articles when Barry had left Nashville, he was constantly blamed um, in not developing forwards. Now, is that the case with Wallstrom? I don't know. But there's a couple quibbles with 
Barry this year. I mean, Forsberg. And, Phil, uh, Forsberg hasn't. Didn't. It's. It's not like Forsberg was. Um, you know, so uh, so hurt by by Barry that he had a terrible career. <laughs> so no, yeah. But um, I mean, I know, you know, I know the fans in Nashville were hoping Forsberg would play more earlier, but I mean, to me, this is not a Barry issue. This is a Wallstrom issue. Well, it's yeah, I agree, and it's created by gaps that has been left, and and you know, in a perfect scenario, in the usual way, you have players move themselves in or push players out. You know, the Islanders have constantly left themselves from last year with openings, with no real replacement answer. And we had to hope that kids would grow into the roles. Dobson has taken steps, especially offensively. Wait, this wait, year wait, wait, wait. On that, defense. Wait, wait. Did you just say that Dobson's amazing and he's going to be an, a Norris Trophy winner? No. Is that what you said? But, I think, uh, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I heard that. Wait, <laughs> is it? Wait, are, are, are you more than steps? I think, I think Dobson has taken. Leaps. Yeah, leaps. I think he's I just don't think point. he's I just think that he's not the he's you taking are a leaps. stubborn son of a bitch. I swear you to God, I, I love you. I can't I mean <laughs> listen, I change your mind. He's been I, so well, good. I would like to see better defensive play from him. Of course Ooh, I, I, think, all would. I think that offense has come because he's been allowed to ignore defense. And no, I don't, giving, I don't think that's the case. I don't no, think that's the case. I, I come think on. You think, it, you think Barry's like, hey, Noah, ignore defense. defense. You think Barry's ever doing that? Come on. We know him better than that. <laughs> no. Well, first but, of all, a lot of it, a lot of it is coming on the power play. He is, I wouldn't say he's become a brilliant power play quarterback, but he's become a good to very good power play quarterback, which is something that this team has sorely been lacking for quite some time, which we've spoken about. And the, the power play ever since I checked it up ever since the, the COVID pause, right? So we've had, I think 43 games since then or something like that. They are sixth in the league, this power play unit in that 43 game span. I think they're like sixth or seventh in power play and, or, and the same in, in penalty kill scoring at a three goal clip. And Noah Dobson has a ton to do with that, both on the power play and at even strength. And I they've think, lacked anything on the power play since JT was there. Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, they were really good in, in 17, 18 in, in the uh, all offense, no defense, Doug Waite system. That was a great <laughs> that was a great power play. I mean, they they scored four on the same power play. By the way, just I just want to touch on a couple of things here. Oliver Wallstrom, 11 goals on the season, which obviously is a little bit disappointing. We we're hoping for a step up from this guy. But the more disappointing from him is three goals in the last like 34 games. And I might yeah. be off by a goal. But it, I mean, yeah. it, after having a pretty good start and looking like, OK, could he lead this team in goal scoring? Uh, he's he, he's been pretty mediocre. Now, I, I I'm encouraged by the fact that Barry has stuck with him and Barzal together, and like, okay, let's see how this goes. I know you have tweeted this, and I agree with it. I don't think Barzal is healthy. I'd like to see maybe in a week, maybe in two weeks. Barzal is obviously playing through the ankle. Maybe it's an ankle sprain, whatever it might be. We've all been there. At some point, if Barzal does get healthy, I'd like to see the two of them play together. And I'd love to see Barry just kind of like, you know what? We're not going to win this year. We're not going to the playoffs. Let's see how the next 20 games go with these guys and see if they can work some magic and see if there's something there for next season. More on Barzal, I will say. You will talk about the power play and something that has alarmed me in the last few weeks and I last few games. And I love Barzal. I have a cat named Barzal. I have said this before. You guys know how much I love Matt Barzal. Power plays work when the puck is moved quickly. 
The reason why Bally was an absolute just abyss on the power play was he got it, he held it, he held it, he held it, he looked for a pass. Barzal is starting to do that a little bit too much. He holds the puck. Now, when he skates with the puck, it's fine because he makes the defense move. He either have to skate with the puck and force the defense to move, or you've got to pass the puck and make the defense move. That I don't shows care. His lack of movement. I don't care if you're Wayne Gretzky. If you are standing still with the puck, you are easy to defend. And it's something that I've noticed the last three or four games that Barzal on the power play. And it's the only times the power play has kind of stalled out. The power play works when the puck moves quickly. And it's something that Noah Dobson is really good at at that thing. On, on the, yeah, on, I mean, the, the best, yeah, I mean, the uh, prime, a prime example of this is the, the power play goal they scored against the Rangers, where it was a quick pass from Dobson down to Wallstrom, uh, not Wallstrom, Barzal, Barzal right onto lead stick into the net. Big, I mean, that's, right, top corner. That, that's what you need to have. You need to have that. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about. He's, he's, he sits on that left side and he's just holding one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and then at times making a bad read and then the puck leaves the zone because of a whatever and, just, and you're starting to reset. I mean, think about it. It's four versus five. They're going to play a box every You're taught this literally. I mean, I teach my, 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 my might team, the box, you know, you're playing a penalty kill. Um, the way it works is if you pass the puck and they try to, when you get that defense moving, the box breaks down and then there's an opening. If you hold onto the puck too long, which has always been my, my, my criticism with Bailey then the box can get back in. The defensive players can get back in situation. And I just want to show everybody out there that while I love Barzal, I will be critical of him. And I don't think he's been very good on the power for the last handful of games. Well, and that makes me wonder about his movement. I'll have to rewatch. Good shout. But, but the, we were talking about, you know, his wondering about his ankle or something that is bothering him. And, noticing on the power play that he's holding on to the puck instead of speeding around into the corners and, you know, creating havoc, which he's good at doing. So it makes you wonder if that's, you know, one leading to the other. Yeah. It'll be encouraging to see those two together, by the way, uh, Oliver Wallstrom, everybody, uh, all the fans scream. Finally, we got a sniper. Is he a sniper? And he's shooting 8.5% this year. Yeah. And I think like less than 7% at even strength, if I'm not mistaken. There's no confidence to his game. There's no comfort to his game. I don't know if it's a, it, it, maybe he's just not cut out for Barry's system, or maybe it's just a question of time. But he's still it's young. not there. Well, listen, all they, all they have right now is there. time. They've got 22 yeah. games. All they have right now is time. I see, I see no reason not to continue to roll it out from now until game 82. And hopefully those two click. They're, they're getting scoring chances. Anyone who plays with Barzal is going to get scoring chances. And I think that the idea of him and Wallstrom as a shooter and Parise, I mean, the first shift that they had together was Parise cleaning up a rebound. It's what he does. I think that those are three people who, who could have complementary skill sets that could work together. I've liked the Beauvillier movement to right wing, although he's not scoring any goals to save his life because he just can't hit it. He can't hit the net. But I like what they've I mean, done is, with is anybody with is anybody Nelson worse at two on ones than Bouvillier right now? Is there anything one worse at any than anything than Bouvillier right now? And he's, I he's, love listen, I love Bouvillier too. I don't want the Islanders to trade him. I'm very clear on this. Don't sell him right now. He's a very good player. He's uh he, he's a water bug. He works his ass off, goes hundred percent. But my God, I mean, when was the last time he had a two on one where he hit the net? It's I mean, it could be a confidence issue with him. I think the first 
two games that they had that line constructed. He had five assists. So he's getting he's doing, he's doing a lot of the blue collar work on that line with with Brock and Lee. That could be your second line next year. He's such an int- he's such an underrated four checker and puck retriever because yeah. people assume you need to be big to be a good four checker and a puck retrieval. He is I think he actually might be I think he might be the Islanders best four checker. I know they do analytics on it, but he's really, really good. I mean, I know when I checked last, he was top 20% in the league on it. And if you notice, when he goes in the corner and he tries to fight the puck, even though he's not a very big guy, he's quick and he's crafty. He knows how to get that puck out and find people. Agreed. So, um, we, we, we move on here from... Uh, we, we have to, just curious here with the, the Wallstrom thing and, and Barzal... Are you guys okay with Parisi being on that line right now, even though that's clearly not where he's going to be next year? I think you can. You, I think you can just rotate whoever and see if it helps. I don't think you should just run Parisi each and every time if it's not producing. I think you you should be willing, especially in these last bunch of games. Just just you can mix it up. It's not. You don't have to have – I understand that they want somebody also who's defensively reliable on that, just like why yeah. Komarov was there. But I don't think it's necessary. If if the line is not producing, then it's not – I think you can shift it around. But if you throw Bailey there, no. then it's just more of the same. No, no, it's not no, more of the same. It's, it's way worse. It's not more of the same. It's way, it's way, yeah, way worse. It's a lot worse. I think it's – Right now, there's really lack of better option. If you're going to have Lee with Nelson, they're really, you know, look at their left wingers. It's Lee, it's Parisi. It's, they move Bailey to left wing now and Matt Martin or Ross Johnston. So you're not so going to put Matt and Ross there. It's basically, it's basically Parisi. And one of the things Lou addressed today was the question of, are we going to take a look at someone who's down on Bridgeport now? And he said at the appropriate time, we might look at some of the younger players and see what we have there. I don't think he's pulling a guy like Salo or Holmstrom out in the middle of a playoff push because I think he probably does put value in that for the Bridgeport team for these people to get potential AHL playoff experience. But it's it's Parisi right now, and we know that's – we don't know. But we hope that's not going to be Parisi's role next year as top line left wing. I'm going to go off on a tangent here, and this was not on our uh, our outline, so to speak, but – if, if there's something you could ask for for the next 20 games, what do we want? Assuming we're not making the playoffs. Let's assume that we're not going to go 21-1 and one over the next 22 games and make the playoffs. That's not going to happen. We know it's not going to happen. So what do we want to see? If you could if you could have anything, Phil. I, I want to see Wallstrom and Barzal work. Okay. I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing that we can get out of this. You want to see that second line continue to work, and, and maybe that's the spot that you could have Beauvillier in next year. Um, you know, adds a little more versatility to his game, him learning how to play the right side. Nothing wrong with that. And you ultimately want to see Barzal and, and Wallstrom have the ability to click because that could potentially cross something off the shopping list this summer. And I think that's what Lou and Barry are looking at right now. Other than that, continued progression from Noah Dobson. Hopefully he keeps this up. Not too much because you don't want that contract number to get too crazy yet. So. Right. Maybe just a half a point per game going forward instead how, of how about he plays really well defensively the next twenty games. Yeah, just give yeah, me yeah there you go. Focuses on the defense, less on BBD the offense. Be happy. 
<laughs> he won't get. I mean, he don't get contracts for 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 defense. Um, what about defensively? I mean, I don't know what we're gonna see, but is you know just alluding to what you just mentioned, BD. Uh, do we want to see? I mean, I I personally one of the reasons I really wanted to see Charo Green move was I was hoping to just get 10, 12 games of Salo Mayfield yeah. together to see if that to could me. be a legitimate third pair. Well, to me, uh, no matter what is said about Bridgeport and anything else, fuck Bridgeport. You bring Salo <laughs> up. You you have a gap on this team, and you need to get a player to get as much time as possible because you still need that role to be filled, um, and you don't want to waste and hope on a summer camp and going into a season for that to gel. So, to me, Salo should come up. And paired with Mayfield to see if that could be a legitimate third pair next yeah, year? Yeah, I think so. Look, it's interesting because when you look at, uh, I was looking at um, how often these uh, players uh, play against elite competition, and it's Mayfield and Pellick are constantly thrown against elite competition. So, you know, we, we call Mayfield third pair, but the way he's used this year has been constantly well, no, no, against he, elite. He's, he's played at, yeah, he's not played that way, but I think he ideally should be a third pair guy. Well, on a, on a, a deep team that has everything working and right. And I mean, if Pelican Pollock, right. If Pelican Pollock are a shutdown pair and Noah Dobson and fill in, let's bring in a guy. Let's just say it's Jacob Trickern for fun. I mean, whatever. I don't, it's somebody, we need a lefty on that second pair. If, if you then had Chickren, that would be a hell of a defense. And right. Then and you then you have Noah Dobson solo. Right. Uh, yeah. You have, you have a great defense um, for a team that is pivots on defense, play, and a trot system, and with, of course, elite goaltending as the pivot. Um, yes, that would be. And, and that's really when Lou was talking at three minutes in, I kept on thinking of Chikrin, or, you know, maybe there is legs to it. Okay, let's. Because you mentioned pivot. Knows? You mentioned pivot. Let's pivot to. Uh, does the recent good stretch, and this is something you wanted to go through, and I know uh, Mr. Glass, half empty, BD, uh, you want to go through this. Does the recent good stretch bode well for next year, or is this fool's gold? By the way, the recent good stretch, they're like 6-5 and five over the last 11 games, so let's not get crazy about their recent good stretch. Well, uh, that's, well that's the biggest issue is it's a small sample size. Well, so, it's not, it's not, but even the small sample size isn't that good. It's not even a great sample size. No. It, it, if you want to shrink it, it down, it looks good because they're five one and one in their last seven. So that's you know if you want you know, to, this has you go, been if you go a, more macro. They've been they've been right. woefully inconsistent for the entire year. Right. Only recently yes. did they start beating playoff teams. That's the only difference. What playoff team? They beat yes. the Rangers, the Rangers, the Stars, and it, the Blues. It, the Stars are the not blues, in the playoffs. Yeah. I had forgotten. By points the percentage, they are <laughs> okay. By points percentage, right. I think so they beat the they beat a fringy they beat a fringy West Conference playoff team and and St. Louis. St. Louis is a good win. Yeah, that's a so good one. St. Louis, the Rangers, and and the Stars, right. and and then they should have beat Colorado the first time, if not for the fact that the refs seemingly found conclusive evidence that a goal was not a goal. Which, yeah, yeah, and eh, whatever. Right. Clearly, okay. So, well, BD, first, uh, does does this does this bode well for next year? What is your thought process? It's, it's meaningless for next meaningless. year. Okay, this has been a season of mediocrity, and. Unless they play out the rest of the season like that, you know, it, it's been like this all season, except for a couple more wins this time. It's, it's really not any different. They've constantly lost 
against teams they should beat. And they usually get their heads handed to them in some way versus top tier teams. Now we've seen a, a couple more wins versus that, but not a whole lot. It's very small in that little, in that just that little bit. And I think you need to see a lot more. So I feel like right now it's really inconclusive. My results are meaningless and the results are meaningless because I, I, I believe with the two extensions that were done today, I look at who's notably absent from that list and notably absent are Grain and Shara, right? If they would have been extended today with them, then I would say we're in big trouble. They were not extended. If Grain and Shara were extended, I would have just, I would have just come on here and go, fuck it. We're done. I'm quitting. Pretty much. Pretty much. I, I don't think they're coming back. No. And Kevin Kurtz had a uh, chat room session at 7.15 earlier this evening, and someone asked the question about biggest priority and biggest need. And he spoke to the fact that they really need to get the left defense situation sorted out, and everyone will start scoring more. And this is what we've been saying the whole year. Everyone will start scoring more when the team spends more time in the attacking zone than in their, than in their own zone. It's that simple. When you have Chara unable to retrieve a puck when he's skating in circles and just poking his long fishing pole out there because he can't retrieve it or green who God bless him. He's been fine, but paired with Mayfield are an abject disaster who have about a 9% on ice goal share together. It's like one to 13 or something like that with them on the ice. It just doesn't work for anyone in that five man unit. That's the biggest thing. So these players are going to be playing in the next 22 games because there are no other defensemen on the team except for Sebastian Ajo. We are going to learn nothing about what the team will be like next year, so long as you have those two as part of the six-person defensive unit, which you might think, oh, that's only a third of the decor, but a third of the decor is like, I don't know, 50% of the team, considering well, let's they be play honest, on I mean, separate pairs of nice time. We watched the last game, and it's not just a third. Of, it's, not, it's not just 33% of the decor. It's two-thirds of the pairings. It's two thirds of the pairings, and thus two thirds of the two thirds of the even strength ice time. A little bit less because Pelican Pollock play more, and they've been dominant. But not since dominant, absolutely dominant. Game. I mean, honestly, it's been if, fantastic. See, okay, so did you, I will. Did you even I will notice be, Panarin? And exactly. I, notice Panarin. I will be. I will be glass half. Except full for that beating. save. I will be glass yeah. half full, but I think everything you said is fair. Okay, I think the problems that we brought up in Game Five, and I think in our second or third podcast, are still there. Matt Martin's, still in the, Matt Martin's still in the lineup. Chara's still in the lineup. Bailey's still in the lineup. So the weaknesses are still there. So the results are still going to be incredibly inconsistent. But from a positive standpoint, and this is where I will come out and say that I, I think a lot of this does bode well for the future. If, and this is a huge if and a huge caveat. If Lou can address, we need a top six winger, Okay. We need a legit top six winger to replace Josh Bailey. Whether Josh Bailey is gone or Josh Bailey goes to the third line, we need a legit top six winger to replace him. And we need a legit second pair left defenseman. But the reason I say that it bodes well is, well, first of all, I'm going to give Lou the benefit of the doubt that he will address these issues. If he doesn't, then it's, it's a moot point and we're not going to win. You know what I mean? If you don't address those issues, none of this is going to go well. But the reason I, I do think that the recent stretch bodes well is what I've seen and why the recent stretch has been. Sorokin was spotty for a time. And the fact that he fought through that and has been so dominant as of late, I think really speaks volumes about him going forward. 
because I think a lot of younger goalies, and it's not young per se, but he's not like a veteran. He hasn't been in the NHL for years and years. A lot of NHL goaltenders, confidence is a huge thing. And he has let in, he let in a handful of just awful goals, a horrific goals. But to come through that and play as dominant as he has lately, to me, gives me a lot of confidence in that, in that area of the game. The fact that Noah Dobson has made that power play a legit threat speaks volumes to me. The fact that Anders Lee, now one year removed from that injury, people forget because people are like, ah, when's he going to be Anders Lee again? He's only 12 months removed from tearing that ACL, and he is doing Anders Lee-type things, and Brock Nelson is doing Brock Nelson-type things. I think there's a lot to be positive about because of that. Kyle Palmieri suddenly realizing, I'll, oh, I'll eat that one. It's fine. And listen, he <laughs> and, and listen, he's going to go through another 14 game stretch where he doesn't score. That happens. Every every 25 goal scorer does that. But you look at these players, and I go, okay, going forward, we're bringing Parisi back. Uh, Cal, I, I I wish the contract was five hundred thousand dollars less, and I wish it was one year instead of two years. That said, I still think Cal has a lot to offer. I love the way he hits. I love his energy. I'm fine with him coming back for another year. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that do bode well going forward. Again, the big if being that second pair left D and top six winger are addressed. Yeah. Can I rain on your parade yet? Go Please, ahead. rain away. Um, the problem I have is I do not believe they have the assets to replace the left-hand defenseman in, in, a, in a key way. And the elite scoring that they need. They may not. I, I, I really hope that something lands in their lap, UFA. It hasn't happened. And the odds are against us. And I really think that we lack the assets. You can hype up any of the players that are in the Islanders system. None of it will get it done. And that's why I was really hoping that they would make moves if there was truly some value to it to get the type of assets and I and I know that's why both of you have been on you know talking about Mayfield being moved and you know even I got into it in that episode where it was like yeah we could get that and then knowing just you know with the hole that it leaves but and seeing the values but I really feel that that's it really is an issue and how are they going to address that I feel like it's going to be just patches and I hope that's enough I really well, do. That's, I mean, okay. But, I mean, well, I, I mean, it's, that's I think, my concern. Go ahead. Yeah, and it's a valid concern. I think it's it's hard to speculate on on two fronts. Number one, you don't know who's going to hit the UFA market. All we know today is the biggest UFA who's out there right now is unsigned through the deadline, and that's Philip Forsberg. Right? Thomas Hurdle signed his deal. Forsberg did not sign his which leads you to believe that there's a possibility that he hits UFA, but it's foolish to speculate on who's going to make it there and who's not going to make it there. Let's see the list when the gates open and let's see who we make a bid on, but there's other ways to go about it. There's, you know, we've looked at other teams who have cap issues and you kind of try to identify those, those arbitrage opportunities, whether it's revisiting a Tarasenko situation and having that for the final year of his contract and working out a deal with St. Louis, whether it be, taking advantage of a cap strap team like Minnesota and talking about Fiala and his RFA rights or Vancouver and the situation they have with Connor Garland or Brock Besser. And again, 
the Islanders are going to own a, a pretty premium first round pick this year, which certainly does have value. And if the right trade presents itself for a young type of player, that's something they might put in play. It might not be the smartest decision, depending on what kind of deal that's going in, but it's not like they're dealing with nothing uh, when, when you consider that. Um, but yeah, there's, I think the, the things that Dave listed off to be optimistic about are things that are trending in the right direction right now, but they, they need to, uh, they need to get creative and they need to get crafty uh, with some of these off season decisions, if they're going to get back anywhere near where they were these past two years. Yeah. I mean, there's no, let's, I, I want to be clear. Cause I think you're both right there. I mean, if, if Lou does lack the assets to address the needs this team has, and you could be completely right, BD. I don't know. And I, and, and honestly, I don't even want to waste my time. Cause I don't, I don't, I'm going to assume that Lou has a plan and he might not. We just I, saw I, Nick Letty traded for two roster players in a second round pick. I think it's fair to say that we do not know <laughs> right. what NHL GM's value and what they do not. So I don't know. I, I I don't know what Lou's plan is. So if Lou's plan is like, hey, I've had some conversations with Arizona, and I know what it's going to take to get Chikrin, and I'm going to get him. Um, maybe I have no idea. Now, if you tell me that the roster has some crappy second pair left defensemen, if we bring Green back and we bring Chara back and we bring Matt Martin back, then yeah, we're going to suck again. We're going to be really mediocre again. This team, you roll this team back, yeah. There's nothing to be optimistic about. This is not a, this is not a, a contending team by any stretch as currently yeah. built. Um, I think there's a lot to be positive about, and I'm going to give. I mean, I feel like Lou has done a pretty good job in his first couple of off seasons, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and we'll see what he does this summer. I don't know, and and but you'll be the. I will. Uh, uh, I'll say what you say is fair. He may not have the right. He might not have enough assets to get what we need, but right. I, I have no idea. Those assets would not have been. I mean, the types that BD's talking about would not have been accumulated in a green Chara or Clutterbuck. No, they always help, not. though. They always help, though. I mean, they I, help. I, I, yeah, assets I mean, are assets. An extra third, an extra fifth. Yeah, an extra, it helps. But I mean, if you're talking about getting a, a chick ring you would need to have moved Mayfield yes. realistically. Or Varley. Which would have yes. right, which would have opened up two holes. Number one, a hole on the right side, and just the cap situation, right? Where I mean, what are you gonna do? You're gonna sign Justin Braun to play third pair for two million dollars. Is that gonna work out? Uh, maybe. Hopefully. Right. Do you really okay. want to put Justin Braun and Salo on the third pair now? Um, whomever. You know, right. name your generic <laughs> right hander who plays defense only and, and produces no offense. Um should we go through the uh, the Lou Presser from today? Yeah, let, let's do that. So there, there was yeah. – uh, obviously, we were all waiting for the trade deadline. We were waiting for something, anything to happen. Of course, nothing happened, but Lou did have a presser about an hour after the deadline. Some interesting quotes. Let's go through them, and we'll do like kind of a rapid reaction on each one. Yeah, I mean, so I thought the first interesting one was one that BD touched on a bit, which was we were not ready to sacrifice any assets unless any player we could acquire, we could sign them if we wanted them – for a period of time. That makes sense. I mean, they can't win right now. Why would you want a rental? Right. <laughs> Second one, it appears to be Stan Pat because we are satisfied. We are certainly not satisfied. I like the way our team has played the last couple of games. I think this is an indication of where we're at after the turbulence we went through to see who we are as a team. It'll give us an indication of what we have to do. BD. Mm. I, I'm I'm not buying that one. I 
I'm, I, I like that he takes solace in it. I take no solace in it. See, I kind of like it, BD. I mean, I'll, I'll throw this out there, and Phil, I want your take. I, I, I kind of like it. I think he's looking at it going, hey, listen, we played, we played pretty well the last four or five games. Um, we've gone through hell and back this season. And he's acknowledging that there's needs out there. And he said, okay, you know what? We'll see over the next 10, 12, 15 games exactly what, I, what, what, what we need and where I need to go to work. But we just talked about how the next bunch of games is really not a good barometer of it. Why not? It's not, I, I it's not say, a good barometer in terms of, no, let's be more clear. It's not a good barometer in terms of how things are going to carry over given some of these players ideally are not going to be here. But I think you could get an indication based on the sample size of let's call it the last 15 or 20 games added in with another 22 games as to where some of these players are vis-a-vis their development. If they're younger, like a Wallstrom or a Dobson or Anders Lee and his recovery Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Yeah, or both. Beauvillier yeah. playing in a new spot, you know, on the right side for the first time in his career. I think it's he's just basically saying we're we're not necessarily thrilled with where we are. We stood pat. Let me take a look at these guys for another twenty two games, and then I will address it. Which goes to the next quote, which is we're not going to get better by just adding players. We're going to get better by making hockey trades. That's the conversation we've been having the last few days. This to me is, again, you're going to look at the market. You're going to see if there's opportunities where we have something that a team might want, whether it be Mayfield, whether it be Beauvillier, whether it even be Wallstrom, right? To BD's point earlier, maybe Wallstrom isn't the best fit for the system. Certainly a very valuable trade piece. Anyone would want a 22-year-old winger who can shoot like that. Maybe there's someone out there who's a better system fit. Hopefully similar age. Would you, you listen? Wallstrom away for a 30-year-old. I'll throw this at you, though. <laughs> Because I know, I know where I stand in this, and I know where some of the fans stand. And Wallstrom is a very polarizing figure for the New York Islanders right now. I would have zero issue trading him in the right package. If Minnesota said, we want a draft pick and Wallstrom for Fiala, where do I sign? And I know there are, no, some, I know there no. are some Islander fans out there that would never do that. I would. I... On the basis of the contract value, I just don't see how you could. Fiala is going to be making $7 million. Well, I'm Wallstrom's- moving I'm moving Bailey no matter what. That's my thought process too. If Minnesota is also taking Bailey. No, no, I would can- just trade Bailey to Arizona. Right. <laughs> For like I, a six I would or think, something. I would think, you know, listen, when you're giving away a player on an ELC who's talented, he's obviously nowhere near the player Fiala is right now. But I think I think the salary cap equation has to weigh weigh heavily okay. when it comes to making these kinds I mean, of trades. I mean, I will I think, say, I listen, line there's a, a lot of fans out there that are not trading Wallstrom. Period, because they see him as a future 30, 40 goal scorer. They're like, no, we're not trading him. To me, he's very movable in the right deal. I don't. I mean, well, he's very movable in the right deal as long as it doesn't bring back a Trotzian grinder. You gotta oh, get that's the not, goals back. That's not the right deal. You gotta deal. get the scoring. Yeah, that's not the right deal. I mean, I was, I was, yeah. I was pointing at Fiala, but I mean, yes. if you're telling me, Phil, you're saying you don't like that because of the contract. I just don't like it because of the, the cap hits. I mean, it's again, it's a puzzle, right? Fiala is going to take up seven out of eighty-two and a half million dollars. You're going to open up another hole by doing that at some point down the line. You know, I'm I'm can, starting to have doubts whether Wallstrom is ever going to fulfill the potential that we all seem to think he has. And I know Fiala's a 30-goal guy. I'm just going to put and that that's out there. Where, 
And that's where you got to take your head. If your plan is to win in the next year or two. Fiala's 25. And that window, then you're going to take a hit somewhere. Where are you taking a hit? Fiala's 25. No, no, no. I'm saying with the contract. With the contract. Then you have to absorb the contract. That's that's the payout. What's our, How much cap? You are, what do we have? Twelve million next year, Phil. Twelve and a half million. You move Bailey. You got seventeen and a half million. Okay, so you move. You Bailey. can make it fit. I mean, I'm more concerned about the Barzell contract the next year, and and then please Barzell's a on... sixty-five point guy. What's he going to get? You never know. I mean, I mean we'll how much can he possibly do. get? He's a sixty-five point guy. Nine, nine and a half. Really? Yeah, he's on seven now. He's going to get a raise. He's definitely going to get a raise, and um, you do want to. The cap is moving when up. When he becomes a UFA, you might want to actually keep someone this time. Uh, he's not going to be a UFA here. No, not here. Not but here. How much he's going to be an RFA. So Barzell has, we've got two more years of control after this. He's got one more year on this deal. Then he's a restricted free agent for one year, which, again, the Barzell situation. I mean, you're hoping, very- you're hoping that next deal is like six times, six times eight and a half? Yeah, listen, I, I think it's either going to be the full eight, Okay. Seven or eight, or they, or they trade him, or they trade him. If they trade they're, him, I, if they trade him, I'll lose my mind. Listen, they're going to get to the negotiating <laughs> then, table. They're, they're going to give trade him your cat. Listen, I would, I would sign him this summer. I would yes. do what you did with Pollock and get ahead of it now and sign him this summer. Barzell's coming off of a statistically low year, though. I don't think he or his agent will want to do that. No. But if you get to next July and you simply give Barzal his qualifying offer of ten point four or whatever million dollars it is. And he signs that qualifying offer without going to the negotiating table. That is the blaring, flashing red light that tells you, "I'm trading this guy today." No, yeah, if we clearly. Well, you, you do not want to be here. You clearly can't, it. right? You clearly can't well, lose another. You can't lose an asset like him, like we did with Tavares. We can't so lose there, another right. Asset. The point is, there will be no Tavares situation. Just no. for for the fans no. out there no. who confuse it, Tavares was a UFA. Barzell is going to be in RFA, meaning the team has control as to what happens to him. They could trade him. Would you give would you give Barzell eight times eight tomorrow? I'd give him eight yes. times times nine tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> eight I'd times, give him eight nine. times nine and a half tomorrow. But, wow. but he wouldn't take it. And he'd take eight and times nine and a half. Eight, eight times nine and a half, I think he might take. Maybe, well, maybe. He's a sixty five point guy. That's but you're contract. asking a guy to commit long term that has not been used properly since JT left. But you're giving him Braden Point's contract. Yeah. Come properly on. or well, not properly, you're giving him pretty much I think the you guys are overstating it, by the way. should be earning. I think you guys are overstating it. I mean, I think 9.5 is the absolute top of it. I mean, I, I think he might sign an 8 times 8. 8 times 2, 8.25. It's possible. It's possible. But all I'm, all I'm saying to BD's point is if you're giving him Braden Point money, and his ceiling and, is not Braden Point. And, and by the way, and guaranteeing it, this is not football where they can get cut. I mean, there's right. something to be said for going, hey, we're, you are now guaranteed to make $65 million over the next. You could get hit by a bus tomorrow. It doesn't Right. Matter. You could tear up your leg or tear up your shoulder and never play a game again. And still, you're making $65 million. Why are we chinxing this? I'm just. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> let's, keep, let's, keep, let's keep going to the next quotes. quote. And this, next one, quotes. this one was a little. This one was interesting. We'll find out about our scores. That's where we've underproduced this year to this point. In fact, I would say disappointed what has transpired there. We'll see where our forwards are at from now until the end of the year. That's fair. I, I, I mean, fair. listen, I it's like the fair, fact that he's at least he acknowledging it, though. Sure, sure. And to me, this is, 
you know, you had a Palmieri underperformance for the first 29 games. You've had Bailey underperforming for his first 44 games or whatever. Andersley, there's Beauvillier who has been bad. To, I did not like that he did not address the defensive aspect. I did not like that. Oh, I, I, I didn't realize that was the last quote. That was in his last. I mean, that was, but I looked at future quotes. There was no quote that was pertaining to, I don't like the fact that we're leaking chances right and left. I didn't see that from yeah. him. No, he didn't say anything. He didn't to, say anything. That. I don't like and the that's fact what that bothers me the, the most. In our zone, right? I would have liked did to see- not admit to the yeah. biggest weakness. Agreed. I would have liked to have seen something about we've been hemmed into far too often. Our defensemen have not been able to transition the puck well. I would have liked to have seen an acknowledgement. Let me give you a silver lining just because I, I could be totally wrong, but I'll throw a silver lining out there. Chara and Green were not resigned today, which is pretty telling considering Parisi and Clutterbuck were. Is there a reason he's calling out the forwards for not scoring and asking for more production? If you know somebody's not coming back regardless, is there a reason to call them out? Right, you don't give a shit. You don't need to call them yeah, out. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. Fair point. Fair point. I mean, especially considering but, especially considering Green and, and, and Chara, their legacy, the fact that they're veterans, you're, you're never going to see Lou call them out. No. Ever. That's just not going to happen. So, I mean, I, I have to assume he's not fucking blind, right? <laughs> I hope I think, so. I think. Yeah. I hope not. I hope We'll move on to the next one. Um, this is something that was obvious to us, and we spoke about this a while ago, but Andy Green and Zidane Char expressed to Lamorello that they wanted to stay with the Isles through the end of the season. Only way they were going to get dealt was for a high-end asset to make us better. We've covered that one ad nauseum. But I, and by the way, like I said, going back to the Vegas situation, I think there is some value to that. Some people are saying, trade him anyway, whatever. It's a business. Trading a veteran for some meaningless sixth-round pick and upsetting the apple cart just doesn't make any sense to me. It's not good business. I think I think Lou being Lou in these situations, as frustrating as it can be sometimes, is actually a really good thing. Barry Trotz signed through next year. Any thoughts on an extension for him, Lou? That's a question for the future. Yeah, I don't read into that too much. I mean, to me, it's yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't read that into that either. I know when that you other have time, people did. Yeah, when you, I, I, to me, it's. Uh, I don't feel like it's, it's. He's just simply saying that's not even a, an item to think about now. And uh, I'll give you the last. Quotable. I mean, Phil, does that does, does that disturb you at all? Does that it doesn't dis- disturb me. It's it's plain and simple. If the team sucks next year, I don't need to bring him back. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, listen. He Leave comes the window out, says, open for right, change. Right, Barry's a great Barry's a great coach, but listen. I think we we acknowledge. I'm not this giving last... him an extension based off of the season. <laughs> Thank you. That's it. Right. That's it. I mean, in all fairness, You're by the way, in the summer, no, I don't like it. I don't like what I saw this year, just without saying it. Yeah, and by the way, in fairness, we talked about this in the podcast. At, while the team underperformed, we think, I think all of us agree, we think that Barry underperformed. Barry made some really bad mistakes. This might have been. This might be Barry's worst coaching performance in his career. Barry Barry said himself that he underperformed. And then this last one here, this is an indication to the group that we believe in them. We'll find out one way or another if they can stick by the end of the season. It seems like a lot of things are in play. I don't know what that is. That, see, that scares me more than anything because what, yeah. what happens if the next 23 games they go like 18 and 5? They don't make the playoffs, <laughs> but they go 18 and 5? I mean, are they going to keep bring back these guys? I hope not. 
Well, that's uh, you hope. I guess we that... got. I think. I think at this point we got to root for the young guys to do well, and then we just got to root for for Bailey to just turn over the puck every single time it's on his stick. Well, that ruins his trade value. That does ruin his trade value. It's a bit of a catch twenty two. Yeah. By the way, I mean, I was, I mean, I know I was alone in this, but I was kind of happy they lost to Philadelphia, not because of a draft pick thing, but I was worried that if they beat Philadelphia, I, I mean, I think the playoffs are, are not going to happen no matter what. And I thought if they beat Philadelphia also going to this trade deadline, I was just worried that like Lou and Barry and they'd start drinking the Kool-Aid and be like, hey, this, let's just roll this back next year. I think, listen, Philly... It's funny to say that it's a scheduled loss, but from the time the puck dropped, I mean, that Sezikis goal was just a lucky goal. It deflected off of a flyer in front yeah. on what was Sezikis' probably farthest out from the net shot he's ever had in his career. <laughs> um, they look dead. Five games in eight days. Yeah, that was a scheduled game for sure. 100%. It was a scheduled game. I'm just Even, saying if, they had, if they'd won that game, though, despite the schedule, I'd be worried that maybe they'd start thinking, hey, maybe there's something to this lineup. Yeah, maybe we should get Hampus Lindholm for first two <laughs> seconds and Kiefer Bellows and, and give him all this money. Don't it, joke that. He might have been in on that. Hey, no, BD, I actually, not. I do want to throw this at you guys. And, and, and maybe it was because... And by the way, to me, before you know, before you go, Dave, if you want to take away any silver lining from this, from the fact that the Islanders were not in playoff contention, it's that it prevented them from making that specific trade. Yeah. right. Because we always talked oh, yeah. about if the Islanders were still alive and still in the playoff hunt... They would address the lefty need. You know, Lou would have been showing up to the table with a bigger bag of chips than what Don Sweeney brought, just because that's what Lou does. And we would have a very expensive to acquire and a very expensive to maintain and keep <laughs> this Lindholm right now. There'd be a chance that we would be that with be without a 2022, a 2023 first round pick, and maybe rock and maybe ready. <laughs> Entirely possible. Entirely possible. And we'd have Lindholm for the next eight years at six point five million. Um, by the way, you brought it up, and I wasn't planning on going this direction. I'm sure it was an energy thing because the five games in eight days thing. I thought Kiefer Bellows on the fourth line the other night versus Philly, dead day, I should say, looked really good. But he can't skate. Yeah, but he's replacing Matt Martin, who also can't oh, yeah, skate. Well, I thought well, Kiefer, yeah, Kiefer looked. I mean, Kiefer was hitting. Kiefer was energized. Kiefer made some play. I mean, he dove and he hit a puck. I mean, I feel like if he can bring that energy every night, is there a spot for him as a bottom six guy? Yeah, and the Coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Phil, I, what did you think? <laughs> he, he just looked like the freshest skater among yeah, no, a he lot did. of non-very fresh skaters. And then he ended up taking the penalty that gave the Flyers the game-winning goal. And that is probably going to be Barry's biggest takeaway from that game. Listen, he, he has flashes. He can show you that he can shoot the puck when he has space. Yeah. He doesn't often find space for himself. He does, doesn't have that like fourth line grinder for no. checking penalty killing type. Not that type of My intensity idea, listen, player. If, if you told me that we were going to have a fourth line of Parise, Sezikis, and Clutterbuck, I think that's an exceptional fourth line. Right. People are talking about, oh, we're keeping the oldest fourth line in hockey. And da, da, da. it's not even true, right? The Lightning have the oldest fourth line in hockey with, with Belmar, Perry, and Patrick Maroon. Right? Last I checked, that's the oldest one. If you can create something like what I just said, I think that's a very good fourth line. You'll have a third line need to address. And the beauty of having Parise is just his versatility, right? You don't have Leo Komarov 
stepping up in a pinch when Anders Lee gets the flu bug or whatever, or misses a couple games with a bum ankle. It's Zach Parise. He's not the first line player he was, but he's an intelligent player. And he's someone who, who, who will know where to be. He can bring some danger on, on the O, Correct. whether he can, can you score imagine or not. If you're an opposing team, because I mean, I do know, I know a lot of people were thinking, and I guys, you guys mentioned it as well, with Cal Clutterbuck coming back, a lot of people are assuming, oh, they're bringing the entire identity line back. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, we'll see if Matt Martin, it was just a bum ankle all season. Was he not healthy or is he just spent? And, you know, I, I think it's the latter rather than the former. And, and I happen to agree. I mean, if I was an opposing team, the prospect of facing a Sezikis, Parisi, and Clutterbuck line, that's just a miserable, a miserable <laughs> thought. Like, you have three of the most energetic, just nonstop, 110% players going at you full speed. That would really, I mean, you talk about an identity line. Those three guys playing together would actually set a tone and be a true identity line, I think. I would agree. I think Clutterbuck is is lost a bit, a little bit this year, uh, and I I'm a big fan of Clutterbuck, um, but you know it, it, I do think he still has another year. The two year deal of him is a little yeah, uh, yeah I know yeah that's that to me is why do we have to give him, why do we think a 35 year old two years why can't you give him one fucking year and even tell him be like, listen if you're still good next year I'll give you another one year deal it's fine and, and it's a little handshake yeah, yeah well I agree. But, uh, yeah, I don't understand what the second year, but what can you, know, you bury? I don't, I don't mind the next year. Though. What can you bury? What can yeah. you bury? Next year, you can bury one point one two five million. He's not. He's playing in the NHL next year. What about the following year, where maybe he doesn't have it anymore? One point one seven five. It's going to okay, go up so by it's, fifty thousand. Okay, so it's only six hundred thousand. If he sucks the year after, or no, maybe one point one five. I don't know. Can, yeah, okay, so it's but it's like saying it's only six hundred thousand. Yeah, you world. can bury most of that deal. Which is what they could do with Martin's deal if Martin doesn't retire and they don't think he makes the team. Listen, I think I, there was a quote in there that they asked him about was was the was the impetus to bring Clutterbuck back about the identity line, and oh. and Lou said no, it's it wasn't it wasn't about the identity line. About it was the about role. bringing back. It was about the roles about bringing back Clutterbuck, which was you know which if you're an optimist about <laughs> them dismantling that line, that tells you we like this player. It was not about keeping the trio together. Um, do you remember how he phrased that, BD? Because you listened to the audio. No, um, I, I wanted. That's what I was trying to get to the 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 up to that. I didn't get up to that point because right. I stopped at the three minute mark because it really, you know, I I stopped there because I had a bunch of thoughts from it, and then we started. But I wanted to go back through it, but I don't remember. I mean, I will say wording. this: even at thirty five years old, Cal Clutterbuck, he. There's a reason why teams were interested in him, and obviously they weren't going to give a one or anything like that for him. But that guy just—he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he just has a—he just hits. And there's something about that that you like. League and hits, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that's just—it's really impressive, you know. I don't mind him yeah. coming back. I, mean, I, I think just, him I don't, I don't love. Back. I don't love the AAV. Again, no, me my, whole, my, whole, my biggest issue with it is I, I would have loved to have gotten like a third rounder for him and then bring him and then back resign him anyway. local. And, you know, if, if it would have been on like 1 million or one and a quarter million for two years, fine. But 1.75 on two years, just why? Who, who are we bidding against here? Imagine the coup, by the way. Imagine the coup if, if, if somehow Parisi and Clutterbuck had agreed to, hey, listen, go get a couple of threes for us. So you can use them to 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 you know acquire another asset. We're coming back anyway. 
If only. Yeah, I think I think the fear is that maybe they get too comfortable in that new destination, right? You let the, you let Parisi go back to Tampa, go down to Tampa, and he might not ever want to come back. Yeah, Tampa's a great city. If you've ever been there, it's a great city. Uh, any last thoughts, guys? No. Well. No? Are there any sure more quotes? I'm not sure if I even have one after this one. I think we spent quite a bit on this one. Okay. Well, that's going to be for us. Pray for the summer. Pray for the summer yeah. is all I got. And, and pray <laughs> that those changes that we have been citing for this season all along happen. And, and there is true recognition because – the alternative is going to be uh, a hard pill to swallow. Well, uh, listen, the alternative could be Connor Bedard. The, yeah, I mean, someone pointed out today, maybe this is all just a long game, right? He he orchestrated that tank where he sent out all kinds of contracts and players from Toronto to get Austin Matthews. Maybe that's just the loose special, right? He got Toronto Matthews and he'll get Bedard for us. And that's the silver lining. But no, I mean, for me, ultimately... The trade deadline was Lou's first opportunity to address items for next year. It is not his last opportunity. The last opportunity is going to be at the end of training camp when they make final cuts, where trades could go down, whatever. The next opportunity is going to be before the draft and trades that could lead up to the draft to acquire draft capital or to shed contracts like a Josh Bailey. And then after that, after the draft, hopefully you have a successful draft. No one in that draft is going to be making an impact on the team next year and maybe not even the year after that. But then free agency opens up, and, and that is when we can really judge and begin to judge as to how this team is going to look for next season. One quote before I go, before we call this, uh, we put a bow on it. You mentioned cap space, and I know there was a quote, and you mentioned it to me earlier, in terms of, uh, and, and, and I might be paraphrasing it badly, but did Lou come out and say, if we need cap space, we'll get it? Yeah, that was, um, let me see if I could find that quote. I had sent it to both of you. Because I thought that was, I think that is very telling, that the cap space will not be, because I know Jeff Capolini was talking about, like, we need to send people out and get cap space. And if Lou was coming out and saying, I'm not worried about cap space, maybe, <laughs> oh, he had got- a, maybe there was a deal in place and he was like, okay, cool, I know Arizona will take Bailey. Well, not only that, he's got Steve Pellegrini, who's a cap whiz, also in his corner. You know? Yeah. So I, I, that's the only thing I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. It made me a little happier to know that that is not going to be an issue. Yeah, it was. Um, I think Peter Schwartz had that quote in there. It was well. Here, there's a couple of of you know, there's a couple in here. He said the Isles will be looking to add on defense this offseason and over the next period of time. We will find out about our scorers. So that was um, another quote in there. There might have to be transactions from within. We will make whatever room we have to make on cap se- and on cap room going into the off season. That was the quote. BD, does that make you happy? I hope so. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Hey guys, we've been I babbling. So. We've been babbling for an hour. It's a good trade deadline podcast. I hope you guys have all enjoyed it. Uh, the Top Shelf Podcast. We're here uh, as, as often as we can, but whenever we have something to say, uh, please follow us on Twitter at BD Golov at Phil's Facts. I am at Tuck on Sports. Let your friends know about the podcast. Subscribe. Do whatever you have to do, and, and leave us a review. Uh, guys, thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll hopefully we'll talk in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.